Welcome everyone, we're about to begin Be'ezus Hashem, Shalom Bayashir, number 360. Uh, we're continuing in the book, 10 Really Dumb Mistakes That Very Smart Couples Make. And we're going to discuss today, he has a chapter called Learning to Live Together. He starts out with a very humorous, uh, stereotypical type of issue. Um, he talks about someone who's married for six months, and he's says, you know, and he believes in Baruch Hashem, he married someone that's put together and uh, very uh, emotionally stable and grounded and intelligent and he really feels fortunate that he married such a wife and uh, one day though he comes home and she's standing on a chair screaming and she says, what's wrong? Over there, what over there? There's a cockroach and or, or whatever it is, do something about it. So he smashes the cockroach and says, now you could come down. And he's thinking in his head, you know, grounded and put together. He, he doesn't give it much thought. But two, two, two weeks later, he's in the base medrash, and the phone rings, uh, you know, and it's his wife. What happened? Everything okay? No, please come home. Uh, I'm in the middle of learning. What, what's, what happened? He says, there's two of them now, two cockroaches. Come home right away. And he, he's not that far, but he gets in his car, Goes home, kills the two cockroaches, comes comes back to the base medrash, and he's thinking to himself, like, you know, what what's what's the matter? What's wrong with her? And if you think about it, he asks this. Let's say this is a stereotypical thing, you know, and uh, you know, not every, you know, but the bottom line is it's a mushal. But the bottom line is such a mushal, and there's other types of mushalim that are that are similar. And the question is, who's right? Is he, she right for calling her husband home because she needed that help? Or is he right because he feels that uh, you're interrupting him for something that's pretty trivial? She could have killed a cockroach herself. And he tries to bring down pretty much that it's not a question. And one of the most damaging aspects to a marriage is to ask always who is right. Why? Because marriage is not about who's right, who's wrong. And most of the questions in a marriage is not about right and wrong. It's a matter of perspective and feelings and needs of one another. Because he explains that marriage is a union of friendship and love, but it's between two unique individuals. They're both separate worlds, each one. They both have their individual strengths that differ from one another, weaknesses that differ from one another, and they have idiosyncrasies. Now, uh, in, in Yiddish, they say the word mishigas, but it's it's not mishigas. It's it's idiosyncrasies means certain quirks in everyone's personality that they have, and everyone has different desires. And very often in marriage, and it's the most normal thing in the world. It's just that in marriage, it's more obvious because you're living together all the time is that his needs and her needs compete with one another sometimes. And sometimes you have limited resources. We can't fulfill both needs. For example, you have a budget. There's a limited amount of money to spend. There's so much you can't spend indefinitely that would satisfy both of them all the time. There's certain time in the day, and in that time you can only do certain things, and and you can't be in two places at once. So Mamela very often in marriage, you'll have both needs and you don't have time to fulfill both needs fully, you, you know, even if you're willing to. And 
one has to realize in marriage, one needs to realize, and it's a healthy thing to realize, that there'll be many, many occasions that you won't get what you want. Many, many occasions that you simply won't get what you want, and you need to, to accept that and to understand it. For a marriage to be matzliach, they need to find a working balance between their needs. And every husband or wife makes no difference. They need to feel that they count and that they matter, even if all their needs are not necessarily met all the time. As long as their feelings are valued and they're in a friendship, in a deep, loyal friendship, then they'll be willing to sacrifice for each other and be mavater, and then, you know, each one for each other, different times. And that's really the, the, the idea, you know? So so the way he puts it in this muscle that she was nervous or she's very... And you have a lot of people like that. There's some men also like that. that they're very queasy when they see insects and cockroaches or water bugs and things like that. So in this case, it's the woman. And she's thinking to herself that I was always petrified of, 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 of these things. And Baruch Hashem, now I'm married. And I don't have to deal with these dreadful things anymore because my, my husband, he's my best friend. He loves me. He'll save me. He'll take care of me. He'll kill it for me. And um, and when he looks very annoyed at her at that, like, you know, what's wrong with you? She looks at him and notices that his he's scorning her in her, like, you know, what are you driving me crazy for because it's just a cockroach. So he, she she sometimes feels, you know, I'm scared now. He doesn't even care about me. You know, I do value his learning. I'm machshiv his learning. I work so that he could learn. But he's making me feel stupid, like I'm a little child. And, 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 and you know, so that, that's, that's her feeling when he reacts that way to her. On the other hand, he's thinking, like, what, what, she's calling me home to kill a bug. You know, she could step on the stupid bug herself. And she doesn't, she's not machshiv my learning whatsoever. And... Both of these have wrong conclusions in them. And this is a, an example he brings down. This is a classic example of couples that hurt each other. They don't understand each other why each one is hurt. Each one is hurt. They have their own cheshbin as to why they're hurt, like we just explained. And they're stuck in their mindset. And what their spouse is doing makes no sense. Why the husband looks annoyed and upset that he has to squash these insects um you know she doesn't understand at all and 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 he doesn't understand that all her mindset and her dread of of it it doesn't have to be rational but it's understandable so the idea of overcoming being stuck in your own mindset that's that is growth that's a very important thing that one needs to establish so he says for example let's see in this scenario that he gives there are many situations we skipped the gave a stereotypical thing where generally speaking women are more afraid of bugs and insects than men are however he gives a muscle like this let's say all of a sudden two big terrifying dogs pit bulls or whatever it is surround the husband he'll jump up on a chair also so they couldn't reach him and he'd be terrified so it's a, it's, a, it's a difference in darga, obviously. If you're a German shepherd and you're attacking, it's different than a bug crawling around. But in his experience, that's what it is. In his experience, dogs, those type of dogs, are scary to him, and bugs aren't scary to him. That's his reality. 
So he defines his reality based on his experience. Dogs I'm afraid of. And I climb up chairs and climb up ladders if they're, they're barking at me or whatever it is, and I'm scared of them. A cockroach? I don't know. No big deal. From the wife's perspective, different mindset, for her, the bugs are scary. It has nothing to do with logic, yes logic, no logic, what makes sense, what doesn't make sense. And she could be a reasonable, kind, normal person. But you cannot say that this doesn't make sense or it's ridiculous because one needs to realize emotionally every person reacts to things differently. They feel differently. They have different experiences and their realities are different from one another. So this is what he calls the eighth really dumb mistake that very smart people, couples make, is that you judge your spouse based on your own experience. Based on your own experience. And that is a very important thing to understand. Because very often, you know, we grow up, you grow up in your home where your home, you had certain hashkafas and you had certain hanhagas where your parents did certain things a certain way. And your, your, your wife or your husband may have done something, things totally different or opposite, and not because one's right and one's wrong. Different men hug him, different things. So you, when you, and, and there's nothing really bad and wrong. So when, and that's what we call mind blindness. Mind blindness is, is, you know, it's a thing, terminology used on people that are in the autism spectrum, but everyone has it to a certain extent. Basically, that we fail to realize that each person has a different mind and different thoughts and different feelings and different worldviews doesn't come naturally to everyone. And we suffer very often towards our husband or wife, this mind blind, this mind blindness. And he brings down a fascinating experiment. This is a well-known thing, but listen to it. It's very fascinating. Uh, um, There's someone, Elizabeth Newton, she earned a PhD in psychology by just asking this very question. She made a thesis and a simple experiment. And it's very simple, but it's a fascinating aside. She organized the participants of a study in two groups. One group she called tappers, the other group she termed listeners. And each tapper was paired with a listener. So here was the idea. Let's say a tapper would tap a song, whether it's Happy Birthday whether it's um, Star Stangle Banger or an hour, hour Mashalim, let's say it's Adyishama um, um, or, or, or Menucha Vesimchan Shabbos, and, and they would tap, like tap Menucha Vesimcha, like and just tap, but without singing the song. So the one who knows the song is tapping, like, but the other person, just hears the taps. And the, 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 the experiment was, is based on the, the, the one tapping, could the listener figure out what song the tapper was, had, had, in, and had in his and her mind? And obviously, none of the, almost none, almost none of the listeners were able to, to successfully guess the song. Obviously, one of the conditions must have been that it had to be a well-known song that you could recognize in the secular world, Happy Birthday, Star Spangled Banner, you know, common, common songs uh, that, that, that people would know, not an off-kilter you know, song. And only about 2.5% of the listeners were able to identify the correct so- song. And time after time, the tapper, the one who taps, would know, think automatically, the listener for sure will get this. 
but again and again they didn't. And it, you watch these experiments, it's just funny, and the listeners are sitting there totally clueless, and the tappers are looking at them like they're crazy. How can't you get it? It's so obvious. And the reason why they don't get it is obvious. The tapper has the song in their head. So when you're tapping out a song with the, with the pace and you're playing the song in your head, you hear it in your head. It's so obvious to you. You can't imagine anyone else would not identify it. But the one who's not hearing the song in their head, they just hear the taps. It's much harder to discern. This is a muscle, and it's a very true muscle of the mind blindness that one has to the other. It's very, very important. By the way, this is why we talked about often not to mind read or assume mind reading. Very often you need to express to your husband and wife what you're thinking and what you're feeling. It doesn't make a difference how acute and astute you are psychologically, how attuned you are. It's impossible. It's not realistic. He should have known what I'm thinking. She should have known what I'm thinking. No. Very often you have to express it. You need to express it. It's very, very important. Now he brings down things that seem humorous, but the truth is they're part of marriage. And if you get annoyed at these little things, it could lead up to bigger things. While if you give it up, then you'll be matzliach. He brings a humorous story from his own life, Benson and Schaefer. He has a meeting in his Shabbos morning. He gets up very early and he knows when his wife wakes up and he brings her coffee up upstairs. She, he goes up and brings her coffee. He prepares his coffee. He has a certain type of a creamer that he likes in coffee that's very good, very rich. His wife wants skim milk in her coffee. Fine. Now, he feels, everyone knows, that coffee tastes much better with the creamer or at least full-fat milk than, than skim milk. That's his view. He always felt that way. In his experience, he likes a cup of coffee that way. With a, with a creamer. And his wife doesn't like coffee with a creamer. And he says, Vincent Schaefer, was, was very thick, a very hard thing. It's very strange. So every time he opens up the fridge and he's preparing this coffee for his wife and he's married for many, many years, he has to consciously stop himself from getting that creamer because it's obvious to him that tastes much better. It's not just that I like the coffee better this way. I beshita, I feel this is the only way you can enjoy a coffee. It's a quirk in human nature. And he has to pull himself, hold himself back and give what she wants. She wants the skim milk, give her the skim milk. This seems like very trivial, you know, humorous, trivial, small. But this skill is a critical aspect of learning to live together. This simple case of preparing a coffee the way your wife wants it versus the way you you want it is a critical skill to learn to live together. You start with these small things. It's 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 very important. We he talked about before the pillars of 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 marriage, a commitment, loyalty, and then love, and then the third one is learning to live together. You can love each other dearly. But no matter how it is, you'll get into squabbles, disagreements unless you understand that there are times you you don't understand the mindset of your wife and it makes no difference if you your mind blindness so once you're experienced and you're told and you understand your wife thinks differently then it's different and you accommodate to that 
Another thing that he talks about also seems trivial, what people make jokes about it, but it is a common, common friction in marriage about the hot and cold issue. Uh, one with what temperature do you put the bedroom or the rooms when it's uh, you know uh, cold, too hot, too cold, winter, summer, put on the heat very high. Some people like like it all year round at sixty seven degrees. I like it cool even in the winter. I don't have to put it put the steam up to seventy five. I'll stifle here, and and she or he says no. I'm very very cold. I I need it higher. Air conditioned, same story. They have to. They need to work these things out. You have to realize, first of all, before you even start with it, no one, no one's trying to make trouble or make one's life miserable. You're not cold doesn't mean she's not cold. You're not hot doesn't mean she's not hot or he's not hot. It's a matter of working it out, tolerating each other. This is a simple nakuda we could somehow work on a compromise. You know, in the winter months, whatever it is, the one that's uh, if there's a window in the bedroom, it makes it a little easier. One goes further in the bed, further away from the from the window, and the other one is closer to the window, so they could open up a little bit, so the cool cold breeze comes in. If if that's what that spouse needs, they work it out. Or on a temperature level of an air conditioner in the summer, they work out some type of compromise. Or the other one acknowledges, okay, you need the the cool air. By by me, I'm I get cold at 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 um, even 68 degrees, I'd like, uh, I'd, uh, I, I, if you put it too low, the air conditioner, and I, I get cold. I want it like at 70, 72, just giving an example. But he wants it or she wants it at 68, 67. So you compromise. Either you put it at 68 and then the one that's cold says, okay, so I'll, put it, I'll, I'll, I'll use a blanket. It's not the end of the world. They work it out with each other. Another difference in perception that happens often is is if he or she forgot a birthday. Let's say it's him. He forgot her birthday. World War III. But the truth is, is they love each other. They're good people. They normally get along. And the husband doesn't understand why is she getting so bent out of shape. I love her. I take care of her. I menschlich to her. I care about her. I do give her gifts. I show appreciation. What's the big deal about a birthday? But in her mind, it's important. And you see, a lot of it is cultural, by the way. If a family was brought up where a birthday was a big deal, we always meant a tr- tremendous degree, that's their expectations. They got every year a birthday party. Their parents and their siblings made a big deal about their birthday. So when they come into marriage, they're thinking, okay, that's the expectation. My birthday is important. How could you forget it? The other spouse birthdays were sort of come and go, neglected. Oh, it's your own mazel tov, whatever. Not that they don't give gifts or they're not loving, but it's not their thing. So it's not a, a matter of committing a crime or not committing a crime. If he forgets her birthday, it's not because he doesn't care about her or does because he doesn't love her. His experience is not the same as hers. He didn't learn yet that that the birthday is such a tremendous reishim and tremendous degree. But, but... What he has to do now is now that he realizes that birthdays are important to her, because that's how it was in her family, she needs to understand and not feel so hurt that he missed it, because he, he, you know, he never grew up like that. He never grew up in his own birthday. People didn't make a big deal about and forgot his birthday. And now, okay, so they forgot about it. But now that he knows, now he needs to be more sensitive. 
He needs to be more sensitive. And now going forward saying, you know, my wife's birthday is very important. Let me mark it down the calendar. Let me give myself reminders and buy her a gift for it. But she, on her end, needs to go into his world and not overreact when it's forgotten and realize in my family, it's a big deal. In his family, it was never a big deal. And they understand each other. So even if chas v'shalom, a birthday was forgotten, it's not World War Three. It doesn't get bent out of shape. He brings other scenarios. It's Kedai to read the book. We're not going to get into this, uh, detail in all the scenarios that he gives of different mindsets. One mindset was that during Sheva Brachis and during the first Shana Rishayim, the first six months, he, he neglected his business somewhat because he was devoted to the marriage. But now he told his wife, listen, my business is going to slip if I don't pay more attention to it. Yes, I have to. I have no choice. And his wife understood in the beginning. But that's when trouble started because he invested a lot more time in the business and she starts assuming, I, you don't care about me. And they have a vicious cycle of hurt and disappointment with one another where he's resentful. What do you want from my life? I care about you and everything, but I, I explained I have no choice. I have to spend extra hours in this business because I let it slip in the first for a few months of marriage and I can't let it slip and I have to build it up again. So, and I explained that to her. So why is she so upset? And he's upset because till, she's upset because till now you, communi- you you were warm to me, communicated, spent a lot of time with me, and now you're not. You're home very late, and 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 so on and so forth. And each one believes they're treating each other not right, and they distance from each other, and a vicious cycle happens. But if they understand each other's mindset, it would be a lot better. And one of the eights will be Messiah to share with this is that. The one way to develop this, he says, as a success in marriage is to think to yourself, when your wife or husband behaves a way you don't understand, you think to yourself, hey, wait a minute, that is strange. For example, if she's like jumps on the, on the, on the chair for the first time when she's petrified of the cockroaches, as an example, and he thinks to himself, instead of getting annoyed, he just thinks to himself, this is unusual. I know she's an insane, normal, good, even-keeled, emotionally stable person. Why is she reacting this way? So it leaves a curiosity. A curiosity. Or even the birthday scenario. He cares about me. He's so attentive, so gentle, and so caring. And, and, and then he missed my birthday completely. That's strange. Why? Not in an angry way, but in a curious way. When you do that and you say, it's strange, let me, I'm curious about why, then you don't take offense. Why is she upset? That's strange. And you try to understand each other. That takes away a lot of the agmas nefesh and misconceptions in marriage. Baruch